Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Indeed, you are on Saturday Magazine Joy 94.9. In a moment, you're going to hear two podcasts which were Paul's choice for the podcasts that he enjoyed the most and was you know was a part of and so the first one Paul the first one's going to be Fiona Patton and I think it's worth reflecting on some of the words that um, Bridget Valance our previous guest just discussed about how difficult it is to get stuff done in government compared to to private office. And this uh, podcast, Maka, is of an interview we did with Fiona Patton, just reflecting on some of the great work that Fiona did whilst in office. So here Here we we go. go. This is from the 29th of July. Oh, thank you. And I agree with Dave. I've been listening all morning. You guys are making a great threesome. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Among consenting adults, of course. Of Of course, course, of course. Fiona, you've been uh, out and about across the world recently. How were your Mm. travels and where did you go? Look, I have been, um, yeah, I've been very fortunate. I've I've been back for for a few weeks. I I missed the... um, the climate crisis that we're seeing in in Europe, but um, I went and did a sort of preliminary checkout of um, the of Malta, which will be hosting Euro Pride this year. Uh, looking good, um, I think everyone's going to have a fabulous time. I met with the minister there, Minister Buttigieg, um, who is also the minister looking after sex work reform and cannabis reform. So as you can imagine, we had a lot to chat about. Um, But Malta is the first country in Europe to um, legalise cannabis in a very unusual way. So they're not trying to, they're not, they're not wanting it to be the next, the next Coca-Cola or, you know, or the next um, Johnny Walker Scotch whiskey. They're doing it in a really community-driven way that it will be community not-for-profit clubs wow. that grow the cannabis and provide it to the community. So really innovative and, um, and, and I think careful way of, um, you know, not criminalising people who use cannabis, but also not trying to bring big business into it. That's so interesting, Fiona. Is there something that we can learn as we're on our cannabis journey here in Victoria, so to speak? Uh, absolutely, Nev. And I think this was this was what really prompted me um, to go over there. And I went there last year as well. So it was really nice seeing how they had progressed in the 12 months since it's been legal. But we heard this when I chaired the cannabis inquiry. What we heard was that you've got to find that sweet spot. You don't want it to kind of be the American system where every corner store is selling high THC vapes mm. or high THC um, uh, flour. You, you want you want a system that doesn't create more harm, but also doesn't persist in the harm that prohibition and the criminalisation of people who use cannabis um, has continued perpetrates and continues to perpetrate um, in in places like Victoria. So I think looking at this 
not-for-profit model uh, is is a really sensible middle ground and it's something that we in Victoria could look at, um, should look at. It certainly was one of the recommendations of, of that inquiry is that we consider this kind of social club um, model uh, because we shouldn't forget that, you know, 10,000 Victorians get arrested for possessing cannabis. Um, and it, you know, and that's, that's every year. So imagine, I mean, the impact that that has on those people's lives, the, 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 the pressure that puts on our justice system, the pressure that puts on our health system, um, when there would be better, far better ways of us dealing with the very large number of, Vic, of Victorians and Australians who choose cannabis quite often as, you know, listen to your previous interview, quite often as a, as a substitute to alcohol. So Fiona, morning, it's Paul. I was just going to pick up on that point because I think, you know, I think mm. if I'm right, the alcohol industry in Australia is probably knocking on a hundred hundred billion a year. It is it's a fairly yeah. big big organisation. Um, taking yeah. some of those big company profits and putting it back into healthcare sounds like a much mm. better idea than giving it to shareholders. Um, so the the Maltese option sounds like a really good uh, a good idea. And it's it's not it's not profit driven, and I think because when it's something's profit driven, well, the the thing that they want people they want their customers to do is buy more. Mm. And yeah, of course. so when you're you're not looking at a profit driven model, when you're looking at a community model, and you know, speaking to some of the the, the user groups in Malta about what this looked like, you know, these really were community clubs where there would be 50, you have to be a member of the club to be able to buy cannabis from that club. Um, and there would be clubs that sort of be 50 of you and you'd all kind of basically chip in, um, get the license. Some of you would grow the cannabis um, and then you'd supply, you'd provide it, provide it to the other members. Um, of course, there will be strict regulations around how it's grown, where it's grown, um, what's grown, and ensuring that you know we're not seeing pesticides or anything like that going into um, or you know un unhealthy unhealthy byproducts of of the of the of the cultivation of this product. But it's a very sensible thing. It's something that Spain has been trying to do. Um, without regulation and and the other side effect of what we've seen in Malta already when they're allowed to grow two plants legally at home is that they've seen the black market price um, plummet mm. um, so this is this is the profits of organized crime also um, which would come as welcome news to many Australians they saw the price of medicinal cannabis um, drop by 30%. And we know that in Australia, where we have a legal medicinal cannabis market, it, it, many people are excluded from it because of the cost. On that, uh, Fiona, thanks to the work that you've been doing for decades mm. and uh, the Legalised Cannabis Party, there was a headline recently saying that Victoria may allow cannabis <laughs> users to drive in an Australian yeah. first. What are your views on this and why is it still taking so long? Oh, Nev, I mean, you know how the wheels of government move. <laughs> like, really. Sometimes they don't. Um, Paint drives, drives a lot quicker, obviously, and sometimes they don't. No, you have to be looking at it for a long time to see it move. Uh, but 
as we know, you know, we've been we've been campaigning for this for for a number of, for, for many years. But earlier this year, the premier said, "This is not fair. This is not right that people who use this medicine are prohibited from driving, even when they're not impaired. Yet, if they use." Any other medication, they're not prohibited from driving. So if you are on pain medication, opioids, or you're on um, medication like benzodiazepines to help mm. with your sleep, um, there's no restrictions on your driving. Of course, you don't drive when you're not feeling up to it and you don't drive when you feel impaired. But for poor, for the ca- cannabis patients, they can't drive at all even though the medicine actually makes them get a better sleep, it reduces their pain, it reduces their opioid um, uh, uh, use, uh, reduces their benzodiazepine use, and it actually makes people safer to drive. But we have made progress, and the government has agreed that they will um, work towards having a trial in Victoria. That will be an, an Australian first. Um, I understand, I mean, well, not I understand, I know that on Wednesday, <laughs> on Wednesday, the, the legalised cannabis MP in New South Wales will be tabling a bill to achieve the same outcome in New South Wales. So I hope that once Victoria does it, that the rest of the country will follow. Um, just I should also mention that Tasmania, this has never been an issue. Tasmania has always said, if you're using a prescription medication in the way that it was prescribed to you and you get picked up by a roadside drug test, if you don't seem um, impaired, then there will be no penalty. And Great. that is all we are asking for. Great oysters, amazing legislation. Uh, <laughs> yes, there's a lot that we can learn from our friends uh, across the bass. Uh, who knew? Who knew that? But um, you're absolutely right. And so I'm, I, I am hopeful that we will, we will see this announcement because still I'm getting, I'm getting emails and distress calls from people who've been picked up from, by the police. They're obviously not impaired. For many of them, they may have, you know, been very cautious. They only take their medication as needed. So they may have had some on a Monday night. It's a Wednesday morning and they, 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 they the, the magistrate has no choice but to, suspend their license for three to six months. So fingers crossed, you know, that gets that legislation gets passed very quickly. Um I just want to clarify what I was saying before. The the alcohol sales mm. are fifteen point six billion of the grocery sales are a hundred billion. So I got my numbers a little bit mixed up. Grocery sales yes. are a hundred, but well, alcohol fifteen point six. And it's an interesting it's an interesting stat to compare to the cost of um uh, maintaining our drug laws in Australia, that we estimate that the cost of enforcing our drug laws is around $8 billion. Wow. So, you know, if you look at the money that we're spending, imagine the money that we could save um, by just doing things a little bit diff- differently. And while I was overseas, I was um, fortunate to go to Poland as well for a conference. And again, we, we are about to see in Australia um, nicotine, um, well, it already is, but uh, in most most jurisdictions. But nicotine will now be an, an illicit drug. It will be treated in much the same way as possessing cocaine or possessing cannabis. Wow! Except if you buy a packet of cigarettes from um, the service station, that's completely legal. But if you possess nicotine in any other format, i.e., in a vape, um, that will be 
equivalent to possessing any other illicit drug in Australia. So while the rest of the world is going in one direction, Australia is going in an opposite direction. And it was fascinating being at the conference. It, it felt like being at an AIDS conference um, back in the 80s and the 90s where activists and researchers and doctors were all in the room saying, what can we do to convince politicians that they are on the wrong path? Um, and yeah, it's, it's really, it's, I must say, it's really activated me back in Australia. I'm just helping a group of people set up a consumer group for people who, who are vaping or are trying to give up smoking. Fiona, we're going to take a short break and come back very soon. Uh, if you've got any questions, we've got a few that have come through from 080317. That number is 0427 569 We'll be back shortly. Listen to us right around the nation. You're with Navina, Isaac and Paul here. We're talking to Fiona Patton on Joy 94.9 Saturday magazine. Fiona, great conversations. Navina, where are we going to go to next? Fiona, we're going to the CBD where recently Ooh. there have been some restaurateurs that have come out against the proposal for a second injecting for, and healthcare facility in yeah. the business district. Your thoughts on the backlash against this facility? Yeah, look, it's yeah, a lot of it. Is, I mean, it's it's completely it's alarmist and it's unwarranted. Um, and in in reading and in speaking to some of these people, some some of the traders, not just in Burke Street but also around around the CBD, people actually support um, an overdose prevention centre or a supervised injecting room. Um, just it's just never in their backyard. Yeah. So they go, yes, I fully support this idea and we have to help people who are using drugs. We have to stop the fact that a person is dying needlessly once a month in the CBD um, due to an overdose and let alone the people who are being permanently disabled by mm. by their overdoses occurring in the CBD. But again, it's this not in my backyard. Um, we need a facility in the CBD this facility, and, and and I, you know, and I hope that we can allay their fears that this this will be about actually helping people from not injecting in the laneways of us of our CBD, from not having ambulances pulling up outside their businesses at all hours of the day and night because someone has been harmed by their drug use. That this will actually be about providing that help and support um, and certainly you know ensuring that we keep the wonderful vibrancy of our CBD um, we all love Melbourne and you know I mean it's never been busier um, than it is right now the place is heaving every evening uh, and this centre I think will actually assist us in showing that we're a compassionate society but also actually helping people um, in some of their most vulnerable times. There's also been such widespread support for the Overdose Prevention Centre. Mm. So we've seen community members, some counsellors and others really come forward and support yeah. what is a very sensible, what is a tried and tested and evidence-informed uh, evidence right. intervention that we can offer. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And, you know, despite what one might read in some of the tabloid, in certain tabloid newspapers, uh, we've seen crime statistics plummet around the North Richmond Centre. We have seen people who have never had, 
that often their whole lives have never had someone care if they live or die, mm. being cared for, being shown a path, a pathway to better health, but also a pathway to better to better living, whether that's um, through through recovery or just having someone there who cares. Fiona, one of the things that was really striking to me when we've talked about this in the past is the ancillary yeah. health services that get provided yeah. at those facilities. You know, those they're, know. they're getting dental treatments, they're getting doctors and nurses who are giving them oh. care that they wouldn't normally get in the system right. just by being in that location. Oh, it 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 it, it almost you know it it certainly i find it very emotional when i go into when i visit north richmond to see the services that are on offer and to see how people are accessing those services and the fact that people have never felt that um that they could access those services uh, because of the stigma that they carry with themselves around their drug use or around their life of trauma, around mm. their childhood yeah. abuse, around all of those issues that um, has led has led their their life journey um, in in the way in the way that it has. So I I would hope that we will see compassion and and as Nev as you said, there's over eighty. Um, organizations who've signed an open letter supporting this. We understand that the, um, the decision, you know, Ken Lay has, Ken Lay, former police commissioner who has, um, spent a lot of time thoughtfully considering this, the issue of a CBD center, that his report will be published, but we also hope that we will get an announcement and that we can just get on the way. Um, to providing this life-saving facility with all of those ancillary and wraparound services to the people of the CBD. And we know that many of those people who will take advantage of that prevention centre are also experiencing homelessness, are also experiencing mental health issues, mental ill health, and that we can, we can provide those services to help them in the other areas of their life. Fiona, strangely enough and really disappointingly, Nazis have been a, a topic of conversation throughout the day with an active recruitment going on in Sunshine West. But you yeah. mentioned there'd been um, some drama at an adult store recently. What has happened? Uh, yeah, this this is just showing how insidious this kind of um, con- um, <laughs> conflation or you know, I know you were speaking about it at the top of the show around where we're seeing that far right joining in with with transphobic people and people from the far left, and um, we've now. So you know, I when I was involved in the in the adult industry, you know, we had the we had the feminists, the staunch feminists who were opposed to any form of pornography or any form of sexually explicit entertainment or sex work. And so we were fighting the feminists. We were fighting the Christian lobby, of course. But now Nazis are going into adult stores around Melbourne, terrorising the staff, many of you who come from our rainbow community, terrorising the staff. They they seem to be a combination of Nazi and incel people. Um, you know, knocking things around, um, just you know, it, frightening, frightening not only the staff but obviously the customers of these stores. Um, and these are known Nazis. I've, I've I've seen the photos of um, some of the footage on some of the security cameras, um, and then I've I've seen you know them linked 
obviously being people. A couple of them were actually the Nazis up on the steps of of, um, of the parliament. Wow. One of them being the ones who was quite proud to show his face. Um, we've seen them being moved on in Burke Street for standing there making Nazi salutes. So we know who these people are. The police now know who these people are. And I expect them, um, I expect, you know, action to be taken soon. However, but I think it does show you the growth and, um, and, and, and the confidence that these Nazi organizations, uh, have in our state. And this is something that we should all be incredibly concerned about. Concerned about and actively working against. It's it's just such yeah. a worry, Paul. Because, I can't believe we're talking you know, about it. It's it's I know it's that unbelievable that it's grown so um so much in the last couple of years. And and kind of what's what's frightening, you know, and I you know I remember being you know really upset by you know the the anti-trans protest, but the fact that the hideous stuff that was being said at that anti-trans protest was sort of. Um, was drowned out by the fact that we focused on the Nazis. And, you know, but we've, we must remember that these two groups, unfortunately, are becoming more and more aligned. Mm. And I think that that is very concerning. You know, when, you know, I know Nev and I have spoken about the, well, and we were going to speak about that, um, the, the Welcome to Sex book that got pulled off the Woolworth yeah. shelves and, you know, is now bestseller on Amazon. But, um, <laughs> but, Again, this was, you know, anti-trans conspiracy theorists joining up with Christian groups, but, you know, absolutely along the same lines of the kind of book burning that, that, the, that the pro-Nazi organisations are pushing in, our, in Victoria. And um, I think this is right for us to be equally concerned. I mean, I've got lots of other issues around, um, you know, <laughs> why that Welcome to Sex book should be on Facebook and should be everywhere where it's not allowed to be. But I, I think this um, uh, this joining up of these two groups is um, something I don't think any of us imagined we'd see in our lifetime. Yeah. We've been listening to Fiona Patton there from the 29th of July, talking to myself, Nevena and Isaac here on Saturday Magazine. We're going to take a short break and then we'll be back with some more. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.